Welcome, 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 ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages to a very special episode of A Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. This other guy is Jarman. <laughs> and we're going to co-host the hell out of this. Yeah, we are. What the hell are we talking about this week, Steve? Well, this week, in honor of the new big blockbuster superhero film, The Marvels, with a strong female-led cast, we're talking about another superhero-ish film with a strong female cast, and that's the indelible classic Catwoman. Yes, it was the number one box office draw of a woman-led superhero movie until Wonder Woman broke the record later on. Wow. Yeah, up until that point. Believe it or that not. That speaks volumes. Um, of sadness. <laughs> but we're going to speak more volumes and volumes about it later. But for now, Jarman, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Ah, uh, Well, just since last time we talked, I got returned to a, a homes.com job came in my way where I was. Hey, they, good. Yeah, they cut me out for a while as a, as a freelancer, but now they needed me back. And it's been a ton of work. So I permanently have this kind of low gravelly voice because I'm recording nonstop like day and night. Uh, I'm going to try to get as much out of this gig as I can uh, while it's lasting. And so I'm just recording and talking and editing all day long, all night long. It's, it's milk and dry, baby. Oh, yeah. So we'll that's been going. That but we also had Halloween and it was a sad Halloween for me in a sense because I love Halloween, but didn't really have to do much at all. But uh, our friend of ours, uh, Pam, uh, who was, you know, uh, Jolie's bridesmaid uh, at the wedding and everything, mm-hmm. she uh, came over and we watched a movie, which I'll talk about later in another segment. Ooh. And we waited around for trick or treaters, didn't get a single one. So, ah, uh, uh, but you got to keep all that candy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Apparently, a lot of kids go to events now, like they go to the trunk or treat type of things. Dude. My kids did two trunk or treat things this year. Oh, there you go. And you go and it's like 40 minutes and they walk out with a half bag of candy. And all you've had to do is like walk around a parking lot. It's almost like it takes the fun out of it for me. I don't know. It's incredible. Good for the parents and the kids. I get it. But I don't know. But here's the thing, though. This is what I like. People do their like decorate their trunks. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And do themes or make it part of their costume. And I just it's still nice. And the kids get get to see it and they get excited and our buddy patrick did that same thing too and, and i get it it's just like one of my friends posted on facebook she said hey just a shout out to everybody who how many trick-or-treaters did you get this year and so many comments were zero or one or two and it's like it's insane like in this i live in a nice neighborhood with lots of kids and families walking around all the time walking their dogs and we had zero trick-or-treaters and a friend of mine like commented on the post and said, who lives in the same neighborhood, and she said, oh, that's because there's a big old trunk or treat event real right, right nearby, and there was like yeah. hundreds of kids there. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's why. So it's yeah, just, yeah. I miss the nostalgia of like going to house to house, you know, and just kind of meet your neighbors, and it, it just sucks that that's not a thing anymore. Well, if you want some of that, next Halloween, you need to come here and see us. Did you have trick-or-treaters? We, we did not have trick-or-treaters because... Uh, we went out trick-or-treating. We took the kids, and it was a huge deal. There's so many kids here. It's nuts. 
Oh, so you weren't at home to get give candy out because you were out with no, your no, kids. No, we left out we left out a bowl and then we took the kids out. Nice, nice. I saw your costumes; uh, it's very nice. <laughs> yeah, but it was it's just nuts. Like I have not had that sort of trick or treating experience since we were kids. Oh, that's great. Because it wasn't the same houses. where in San Jose where you're before you couldn't do that. Right, but tons of houses, and I don't know what happened after COVID. I remember pre COVID. When we were kids, it was like one piece of candy per house, right? Right. So then we did we did this with Joyce before COVID, and it was one piece of candy. Like that was the standard. Of course. Every now and then you get someone who's like, oh, I'll take a second one is fine. But otherwise it's <laughs> one most of the time. Post COVID, people just give out just hand, every house gave out handfuls or a handful, no less than three pieces of candy per child. Thank goodness. And in some cases, it was literally said, take a handful as much as you can fit. And they were like, it was nuts. Wow. But both of my kids ended up with like, you know, those like string backpacks that kids have. Yeah. Each one of them ended up with one of those three quarters full. That's a lot of candy. Candy. But not only that, here's the, okay, so here's the people that are clutch, though. Shout out to these people. Here's my radical recommend <laughs> this week. People that give out snacks. Ooh. Instead of candy. A lot of people giving out like little bags of chips and, and like packaged crackers sort of things. Yeah. So clutch. We have their little snack bins stacked for like a week. That'd be great. Just hand up bananas or get, something. Yeah. <laughs> Nature's Just pocket. Don't, don't give out pennies. <laughs> no pennies. Unless you want pennies thrown at your house. Or just a package of razor blades. You know, that's always fun. Uh, so, yeah. So, we did, <laughs> we did trigger treating big. I realized sort of the pain of going with other people. Oh, in that we had Dilly, who was slow. Mm -hmm. He was just slow going. And so we kind of dragged them back. But then there came a point where, like, you know, one of the other kids was kind of, you know, getting out of hand. And his parents were like, we're, we're, and we all kind of went back to their place. And there was this uneasy, like, what are we doing right now? Are we going back out? It's pretty early. And finally, I was like, yeah, we're going to go. Was he misbehaving or something? No, he just was, I don't want to go. You know, just how kids get. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm not. We're going to go get more candy, guys, I think. <laughs> what were your kids' costumes for the listeners? Uh, Joyce was a little unicorn. So here's the key with little kid costumes. Just get them, like, pajama onesies that also can be costumes. And yeah. then they'll wear them multiple times. They get plenty of use out of them. So Joyce has wore a unicorn onesie. We got her for her fourth birthday. That was far too big then and is now like stretching out of like she's just poking out of it. <laughs> um, and then Dilly went as a dinosaur, little cute blue and green dinosaur onesie, mm -hmm. little hood. And you were an Ewok onesie. Oh, my God. I love my Ewok onesie. That, that fursuit was so it was so cold and I was so deliciously comfortable all night. <laughs> that fursuit finally paid off after all these years. What about Anna? Anna went as Joyce Byers. Nice. In a costume I got her for Christmas. Because remember, I got all of you costumes. Did you wear your Mike Myers costume? No, I didn't get into anything. It sucks. You much. piece of shit. Go put it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to wear that for, and you had uh, the Link costume for Jolie. We'll have to bring those both yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. <laughs> that was like, that was my best Christmas idea I've ever had. It was Getting good. people costumes. Um, <laughs> but no, so it was just a lot of fun. Uh, so there was this one. Okay. So we're going and there's this guy dressed as uh, Jason. Mm -hmm. He's got like a fake machete thing. And he goes, hey, guys, what do you go? There's some fun in the back. And he like points towards the back. And 
the neighbors were with her kind of like, what is this back there? He's like, it's just a good time. And then he just goes, is there more candy back there? And he went, yeah, yeah, there's more candy back there. <laughs> and so I peer around the corner <laughs> from like the darkness of the, that's really just the space between two houses. Right. Um, this like alleyway, I just see two heads poking out from the shadows. And one of them has a giant fake knife. The other one's poking out with, with a chainsaw that has its chain taken off of it. Oh, no. And they're just sitting back there like waiting for kids to come out. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't take your kids back then. No, no, but it was just so funny. They were so excited to do it. That <laughs> they just were like looking like excited little murderer children. Oh, they were kids too? Like, no, no, no. They were, these were definitely adult men, but they were so giddy about like doing this. That's funny. But no, I said, I think I said, no, no, thanks. I said, have fun with your murders. <laughs> Just make sure you clean up after yourself. Well, that was a close one. You almost got yourself killed. <laughs> Last thing you guys need is the county on your ass, you know? Code enforcement and all that. Code enforcement. They'll get you. All right. You guys have fun. Um. So that was that was a good experience. Yeah, very nice. So it all went well. Does that take us to some nerdy news? It sure does. It's time for nerdy news. All right, so this might be about a week old news at this point, but it, I read a wonderful article the other morning, yesterday morning, and coincidentally, right after I read it, I got a job in my queue from my YouTube company I work for to do a video about this exact article from Variety. Ah, nice. Um, and I'm calling this news story Marvel Studios Multiversal Meltdown because uh, basically after all that's happened with the actor Jonathan Majors, who plays Kang, recently a wave of women came out, not just one, but now more women have come out about domestic abuse and harassment. And then also he's gotten reports of being really difficult and rude on set, things like that. Um, which is so sad because he seemed like an upcoming um, actor and he was going to be the whole future of the Marvel franchise. And in interviews, he seemed really nice. But yeah, that's what King was going to like take us through. King was going to be the Thanos that saved us all. Yeah. But now he's just a complete asshole. So they're trying to reevaluating what the hell they're going to do. So it's kind of funny to think about. But all the Marvel executives went to a kind of retreat in Palm Springs, California. To have like a little meeting over the weekend with like their you know martinis and stuff. What the hell they do in their wear their tuxedos or something? <laughs> and they all talked about what they were going to do. But some insider who was there apparently did a whole interview with a Variety about what they talked about and the options they discussed. And so three things they have like three options. One is to do nothing and just pretend like nothing's happening, which is not working out well for them. So they're not leaning towards that option. The other option is to recast Kang as someone else, um, which they're not leaning towards either, but they're kind of leaning toward a third option, which is to change direction entirely to a different villain. And the number one uh, prospect would be Dr. Doom, because he is a big thing in the comics, not just with the Fantastic Four, but with pretty much all the Marvel Universe. He's been kind of in and out of all the different storylines. And they were eventually going to do Doctor Doom probably years down the line because they still need to do a X-Men and Fantastic Four movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. But they might just kind of be pushing that forward a bit because of this whole Jonathan Majors thing. Where, as with me, I think personally they could just recast him because of all the multiversal variant stuff that goes on with Loki and the, the multiverse. It'd be so easy to recast him. Dude, just okay. So here's what you do. You recast him with the guy who played Cheaty in good place who was in ant-man quantum yeah yeah who should have been king to begin with 
He's great. You just put him in there and just be done. Yeah. I am. I'm telling you, Marvel, please, if anyone is listening, I'm willing to just go on that. Just do that with you and be fine. Yeah, As a fan, I'm ready to just go ahead, write this one off and just move ahead. And please. there's precedence for this because Terrence Howard played the original. Um, what's his face? Um, War Rody. Machine. Rody. Yeah. And he had a whole domestic abuse thing pop up with just one one case. And they immediately just averted any kind of controversy and recasted him as Don Cheadle, who's amazing. Don Cheadle's no Academy Award winning actor. I'm pretty sure that was pre his domestic abuse stuff. If I remember correctly, his firing from Iron Man Two is because he asked for audacious amounts of money. There, there are both stories. Yeah, they kind of coincide with each other, so it's hard to say because Marvel won't say which way. But yeah, his story is that they weren't going to pay him fairly, and that's why they yeah they weren't going to pay him fairly. And then Robert Downey Jr. didn't stick up for him. Is basically what he maintains. And meanwhile, Don Cheadle's like, I'll take a reasonable amount of money for this role for 10 years. Sure. Why not? Right. right. And that's that's how Disney. It's funny that that that's the strategy that Disney used, like in their heyday, like in the 40s and 50s and 60s, was they would do these longer contracts for region for not crazy amounts of money, but they would lock the talent in. Right. And so that's the genius here. Like, yeah, we're going to pay you a moderate one point five million dollars per movie, like two million dollars per movie but we're going to guarantee you eight of them. Yeah. And some of these are just going to be appearances with two of them. It'll be three or less scenes. Whereas uh, Robert Downey Jr. was able to renegotiate and he made $25 million for Endgame. Well, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think they should jump into Dr. Doom yet. They could easily recast Kang um, or make any kind of little storyline that it's someone else or something. It's just, it's so easy. I mean, look, they can, they can dive into the celestial and interstellar stuff with the marbles. They can dive into some of that, but like they open this whole can of worms with the spiritual stuff of like moon Knight and a little bit black Panther. Yeah. And it feels like, are we just going to walk away from that? Or was Kang going to have anything to do with that to begin with? Not really, it seems, because then we have and, like Agatha Harkness uh, doing having her own series, and she's like, you know, the one who does like all the magic stuff too, in the magical realms and all that stuff. And then, meanwhile, let's forget about the fact that Daredevil is now apparently off the off the table. Well, they've already filmed a lot of it, so it's happening. My understanding is that it was uh, it might be done, but maybe I'm wrong, or it's they, been shelved or something. They, I think they're um, refilming parts of it because they're changing tra- direction with it or something. But it's a lot of it was yeah. already filmed, so just can't. And this all comes also with Iger coming in and saying like, "All right, guys, the good days are over. Yeah, buckled down." And I had read great articles about how they've just been TV was done really wrong, where they're trying to make their TV shows like little movies and not making them like structured like television shows they didn't really catch on very well and then there was the disaster that was secret invasion and it just kind of they didn't cohese. yeah hawkeye was okay i liked miss marvel wandavision was good wandavision was real good yeah okay. it was loki season one was great loki season one was good season two's been good so far yeah besides the john the some majors of the TV being is, awkward, some but. of the tv has gotten they've gotten right just not all not as much as they should have yeah, they need to like co- cohese a little bit more, everything together, and just kind of lay back a little and, bit more. And then we're, we also have like maybe the Thunderbolts come in. They've set that whole thing up. Yeah. There's too much. They've set up too many things. They did the Starbucks. They spread themselves too thin. They need to pull it back a little bit. And it's all just sugar and froth. <laughs> no substance. <laughs> 
Get some baristas in there to melt that shit down. Speaking of no substance, that's a great segue to our main segment <laughs> on the classic superhero film, Catwoman. All right, Halle Berry plays Patience Phillips. Uh, For some reason. (laughs) name. A mild-mannered artist who works a miserable corporate job to pay the bill. She's up against a deadline because her company is set to release a new skincare product that's going to change the world. Well, she's in the right place at the wrong time, and she overhears dangerous side effects of the new product where it, like, melts people's skin if they stop using it. And the villains send their henchmen to go and try to kill her. Well, they end up flushing her down a big tube and she gets murdered. <laughs> She's flushed out to what apparently looks like a giant toilet bowl, basically. Uh, but then a council of cats, including one that she tried to save earlier in the film, brings her back to life somehow. Magic. She suddenly experiences the world differently with heightened senses and reflexes. She uh, quits her job impulsively and uh, goes out as this alter persona Catwoman to investigate her murder. Uh, she traces it back to the villains. She confronts uh, fronts him and nearly uh, is caught by this like bow bo- bo cop who has meant so little to the story that I haven't had to mention him so far. Benjamin Brett. Uh, the one of the two villains uh, frames Catwoman. No, one of the two villains kills the other villain. Villain two kills villain one and frames Catwoman for it. There we go. That's a good way to put it. Sharon Stone. Yeah. Catwoman escapes uh, from prison. Uh, she bails out her cop boyfriend who went to arrest villain two after he finally figured it out. Uh, but it turns out that her skin is like rock hard because of this beauty cream and it gives her an edge, I guess. Yeah. They but- fight, I guess. Catwoman <laughs> wins and learns to live her new dual life. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of hip hop music in between. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so some things I liked. This movie was perfectly fine until one scene. And that one scene derailed the entire rest of the film. The entire rest of the film after that point was just pure nonsense and terrible. But up to that point, this was fine. (laughs) So let's talk about what was fine about it. So we get like, she's mild mannered. We get a little bit taste of her personality. We get the the like classic save a cat from a tree where like we know she's a good person because she goes on that ledge trying to save that cat. Yeah. We get to meet the good guy who tries to save her and the love interest. It's like a good, smart, meet cute kind of thing that doesn't feel crazy forced because she's just out on a like balcony. Looks like she's trying to commit suicide. Like, it, it works. Yeah. Works well uh, enough. She goes to work. We get to taste of like the, the quirky best friend. And uh, the the job she hates. The Devil's Wear this, Prada environment she works yeah, devil in. Devil Wear Prada environment. This is all fine. And then she's the kind of person who gets shit on. We know that. So she's the one that has to go do this terrible thing. And that's why she's in the wrong place the wrong time. All of this is great so far. She gets chased by a henchman because she knows a secret. Awesome setup. She gets flushed down. Even the thing with the cats. <laughs> Even the thing with the cats was okay. Because we didn't know what the reason was yet. It was just something that happened at that point. That was fine because we were going to figure out that mystery later. And by that, I mean, an old lady was just going to tell us everything, everything <laughs> later. We didn't know at that point, though. So then she wakes up. She, we know that there's something wrong with her. Like she's got these heightened senses. So far, so good. So then uh, she goes and she meets the cop again. 
and the basketball happens. The basketball scene. The bat. <laughs> from that point on, this movie takes such a hard nose dive. But I would contend before the basketball scene happened, this was a perfectly good setup for a movie. I agree. I totally agree. Um, that's where the good stuff ends. So what did you like about the movie? Because that's where my list ends. Well, tell us what you, what was so bad about that basketball scene, first of all. Well, no, we'll get to that. In okay. The things we'll I get didn't to like part. Um, I'd say overall, for the most part, it was kind of generally fun, um, like entertaining in a sense. Not the worst action sequences and the acting wasn't bad considering the lines they were reading. Like they were uh, like that actress who plays the old lady that we get to later, um, who kind of explains the whole Catwoman and cat's magic surviving thing. She, she's a great actress. She's been in like American Horror Story and lots of other stuff. She's really good. Um, and I kind of like the lore of the Egyptian cats and the magic that was has nothing to do at all with any DC source material whatsoever. But it's it was interesting. It was it was like, OK, neat idea that cats find a woman throughout history to like give this power to because. And they become like an independent woman of freedom. You know, it's kind of neat. Um, and Halle Berry, even though it's terribly misogynistic, looked really good in that costume. Got to give her that. <laughs> oh, man, she looks great. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Peak Halle Berry here. Um, Halle Berry at her prime. Yeah. Um, but that's where my list ended as well. <laughs> OK, that's fair. Um, OK, let's let's talk about some of the struggles. Yes. Of this movie. Um, okay, so let's talk about the basketball scene. So this is where the whole thing falls apart, because the whole thing is that suddenly Halle Berry supposedly has split personalities, in theory, because on multiple occasions, they act like what she, she doesn't remember what she just did as Catwoman. Right. On multiple times. So in theory, she's out. She's flirting with this guy, and then the alternate persona takes over and plays basketball like a cat. <laughs> And rubs her ass all over this guy in, in the shoves, just throwing that butt around in front of just a group of 30 inner city children. <laughs> <laughs> and at no point is everyone, anyone like, man, this is messed up, huh? And they're like, nah, she's a cat or whatever. Like, <laughs> um, the, the whole thing was like over-sexualized and really, really muddled. Like, so wait, is this the other personality? So the other personality plays basketball. <laughs> is she forgetting all of this? <laughs> <laughs> right. Does she not remember any of this after it happened? So like there was, they really could not decide what this other persona was and what the rules were surrounding it. So because that, we, the audience had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just really cheesy to be perfectly honest. The way she was, the whole basketball scene in general was just, well, I just very cheesy. I just wish they would give it some sort of defining thing like when the sun goes down. Right. Was when the cat woman takes over. But it wasn't clear and, they, and it they, went in and out. They could have played the with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then because she like quits her job and says that thing. And then a moment later, it's like, no, 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 I didn't mean it. Uh, and then she like redoes her hair and stuff. And she walks in as herself and is like, oh, check it out, my hair. Like that wasn't cat woman, I don't think. And she's as it's herself on the sense. phone, jumping on furniture and stuff. And like, she's. Yeah. Has, they just didn't yeah. know what to do. No one picked a direction, so everyone went a different direction. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had the uh, the dialogue and scenes were written like this was for a children's movie, 
or something you'd see on a Lifetime original movie or a Disney kids movie. Like it was just like really simple dialogue, really simple simple. choices. Yeah. Like it was written for children, but yet it's obviously not a children's movie, but it felt like it was written by a child. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. You have the mind of a child. Um, There's, there was no, yeah. So no discerning mark between the two personalities that just sucked that, that the one lady, like, the exposition lady was <laughs> she was a good actress. I'll give it to her, but nothing could have saved the way they decided to do that. No, nothing progressed. She just revealed more and more for no reason, and it never got to a mentor mentee kind of status that would make sense from a story arc perspective. They didn't explain where she came from, or like was she a former she's Catwoman, just, or no? She just says she just knows this right, shit. Right. Like, and that's how you do it. Like, oh, she's a former Catwoman and she bails her out at some point and teaches her how to use her power. Anything, yeah. anything to make this a real movie. <laughs> a real movie. Um, <laughs> um, why the hell did this need two villains? And why did they ever expect anyone to think that it was the guy? Yeah, if they had played that and up better, Stone. where it was like the like, whole time we really believe it's the guy, and then suddenly it's a big reveal that it's been the woman the whole time, that would have been kind of cool, but they didn't play that well at all. <laughs> it was obviously Sharon Stone. It just was. <laughs> yeah, she was a, like snide the whole too time. Many, she had too many scenes alone. She had her own henchman. Right. Guy, like, I just, it didn't make sense the way they framed it. And I, maybe what it is, is they didn't, they, maybe they didn't intend to get an actress as big as Sharon Stone. Now, there are a couple of big actresses up for the part, actually. And, uh, and it might have actually been Michelle Pfeiffer originally. Uh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. But then she, that would have she been declined awesome. it. <laughs> no, that was the right thing to do, Michelle Pfeiffer. Thank God for your career. Agreed. Um, so it didn't need two villains because they didn't film it in such a way that it made any sense for there to be two villains. All it did was dilute the bad guys. Delete both of them, basically. Um, and then how did the cop not figure it out? Slash, there were times where it felt like he figured it out and just didn't care. Like multiple <laughs> times early in the film where it feels like he, he figured it out. It's like, well, I can confront her or I can sleep with Halle Berry. I think I'll sleep with Halle Berry. <laughs> well, he has the thing where, like, the two cups say sorry, and the writing is almost exact. And he goes to that Henry analysis, and the guy's like, no, these are completely different. A hundred percent different. This woman is reclusive, and this woman's crazy and loves the party. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, but he says, he's like, it's not exact science, but. <laughs> right. But, like, he was sure. He, like, that's the clue he needed. Oh, my God. Another woman about the same size and build as the woman that I'm seeing right now. <laughs> and they have almost identical handwriting to the layman eye. <laughs> nah, it's not her. Nah, I can go on that date now. <laughs> it's like, you are a terrible detective. Wow, how'd you flip down that carousel thing or that, that what do you call it? Yeah, like, how'd you get there? Um, so, yeah, how did this not cop not figure it out? And then did he just not care? Yeah. Um, I thought the uh, the betrayal of female characters was pretty awful because um, even Patience, after getting her Catwoman confidence, as they put it, she still acts like a giddy little schoolgirl when talking about her beau, the Tom guy or whatever his name is. Um, and like there's a, the Bechtel test that we talk about nowadays, which is basically does your film yeah. pass the Bechtel test where any women on screen 
Are they having a conversation that's not about a man? And that failed in every aspect of this movie, except maybe for the occasion of the exposition lady. She didn't talk about a man. True. They were talking about cats or whatever. Just cats. But like every scene so with her. Technically, in- <laughs> technically, this film passes the Bechdel test. Technically. Maybe it's more than one scene. I don't know what the Bechdel test really comes down to. But like. I wouldn't push it that far. But like Alex Bernstein, who plays Lois and, you know, in a family guy. And she's on Mad TV. Well, and no, stuff. no, no. Halle Berry went back for multiple exposition scenes. She did for seeming for seemingly no reason. So there's no less than two Bechtel. Bechtel <laughs> That's true. In here. But like otherwise, she was like, oh, I don't know what to do about this guy. And her friend was like, oh, he's so cute and he should go with him. He's great. And like she was so dependent on it. Just it was awful. Yeah. That's the other thing. Alex Borstein's character who I didn't. She's in this and she does it OK. But her character just didn't have a purpose. They had to show her getting sick from the, the, the uh, skin cream or whatever. Yeah, like, that was that, that was, was the whole thing. That's why she exists. It's a wasted Alex Bernstein. Um, and the CGI was pretty bad, which I normally would give a pass for, but they used way too much of it. And those cats looked terrible. And they they kept turning Ali Berry into like CGI puppet version of herself. Like, yeah, it anytime the, the worst of it was when she I think she was fighting the like the robbers, the guys stealing the antiquities when she's running on the walls, like doing the corners. That shot was was both dizzying and terrible looking. It was like Looney Tunes suddenly. <laughs> yeah, like Looney Tunes suddenly. Uh, it was bad. So, yeah. Oh, man. Agreed. So, yeah, that was a, that's Catwoman for you guys. Catwoman. We watched it so you didn't have to. Damn right. I think I saw it in theaters when it came out. and it was, You probably did. It was bad then, too. Um, some trivia for this movie. Yeah, hit me with some uh, factoids. Halle Berry became one of only six actors in history, only five at the time, to possess both an Oscar and a Razzie. And after her win for her infamous performance in this movie, she also became the first ever to accept their Razzie in person, um, who had also had won an Oscar. And she actually walked out on stage proudly holding both the Oscar and the Razzie aloft and feigning tears of joy. And she gave a short acceptance speech and she said, I'd like to thank Warner Brothers for making me do this god-awful piece of shit movie. <laughs> so... At least she has a sense of humor about it, which is pretty funny. At least she knows. Yeah, she knows. Um, A rough cut of the trailer was put online a few months before the film's release and drew such heavy criticism that it was quickly pulled. It was soon replaced with a new trailer, which didn't feature any of the dialogue. (laughs) They're like, that's our weak point, dialogue. Uh, The movie had to undergo reshoots after testing poorly with screeners with only a month left before the theatrical release date. So up to a month of it coming out, they're reshooting shit. Uh, the setting of the film is ambiguous, as the city is never called Gotham City, nor are there any references to Batman or other DC characters. Um, it is it is possible that it takes place in the original Batman film universe, as a picture of Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman from Batman Returns can't be seen in the pile of Catwoman pictures that Ophelia shows to Patience Phillips, which I didn't notice. But that makes it kind of like in canon for the Tim Burton verse, which is terrible. OK, I'm all right with that somehow. That yeah, makes it a little bit better. Uh, when production not, stalled in the mid-2003 for this film, rumors circulated that Warner Brothers would scrap the project and instead incorporate the character of Catwoman into Batman Begins, but with Halle Berry still in the role. So that almost happened, but thankfully didn't. Okay. Uh, the fighting style used by Catwoman is the Brazilian martial art known as capoeira, which I can kind of see now, that kind of dance martial art type of thing. Um Though a box office bomb upon release, the film still had the, held the distinction of being the highest grossing female-led superhero film of all time for 13 years until it was dethroned by Wonder Woman, as I mentioned earlier. 
Uh, Ashley Judd was originally slated to be the lead role instead of uh, Halle Berry, but that changed up, obviously. And with an 8% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, 8%, this is the worst-reviewed DC Comics film, but it's tied with Supergirl 1984, which we watched on a play on nerds. We certainly did. (laughs) And to promote the film, Mattel collaborated with DC Comics and Warner Brothers to release Barbie dolls based on Halle Berry's Catwoman. The first doll release was a play line with the standard generation, the standard generation girl face mold. And uh, the a collector's edition was planned with a sculpt molded in Halle Berry's likeness and even promoted at the 2004 Toy Fair to be released in the fall before it was abruptly canceled due to the film's failure. Um, the Halle Berry sculpt, though, would eventually be reused for the 2010 Barbie as Jinx Johnson doll based on the Die Another Day film uh, in a series of Barbie dolls based on Bond girls. So when she later on became a Bond girl, they just released that same mold that they had made for Catwoman onto that that new doll, which is kind of funny for collectors out there. I wish there was like original Catwoman Barbie that wasn't released. You could probably get it for like $10,000 or something, but that'd be funny. <laughs> so, Steve, you got a bit for us this week. Oh, boy, do I got a bit. I'm going to call this feline factoid fascination. <laughs> yeah, alliteration. I just have some uh, just some fun cat facts. Nice. I love cats. Since we learned so much in this movie. Uh, do you know what you call a group of cats? You're like, you know, like you have like a herd of cows. Oh, it's you know not a herd a of, cats? of cats. No. What is it? It's a glaring, a glaring of cats. Really? I've never heard that in my life. So if you ever see a group of cats, you can say, oh, look at that glaring. <laughs> That's silly. Uh, okay. So uh, cats should never eat raisins or grapes. Oh. They're very toxic to them. Additionally, basically anything in the onion family, onions, chives, uh, like green onions, uh, anything, shallots, anything in that family. No go. Oh, I'm always they spilling those on the floor when I cook. I should be careful. That's right. Uh, cats share 95.6% of their genome with tigers. Hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah. So four four point four percent between them and tigers. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, if I've seen my cats do this, I mean, have you ever seen your cat just stare like an idiot with its mouth open? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they make that fucking noise, and I hate them for it. <laughs> Only sometimes uh, they do that because cats have an extra organ in their mouth that lets them taste the air. Okay. And so that's when they're trying to take an additional sense. Mm. When they're like, <laughs> it's because they really want to smell what's going on. <laughs> I barely ever see my cats do that. Um, My boy cat, when he gets real excited, when he gets what we call, what I always call play face, that's actually what he's doing. Uh, Where he, He's like really getting amped up. He's like. <laughs> <laughs> what a weirdo. Uh, here's another one. Cats have 230 bones in their body, which is 24 more than the human human mm. body. They can move them all around for sure. They can do all sorts of stuff. Uh, let's see. A single uh, litter of kittens can come from different fathers, Oh, which is why kittens in the same litter can look entirely different. And also because cats are dirty, dirty whores. <laughs> well, we knew that. <laughs> well, yeah, I just thought I, it was bared repeating. Because they're so free, just like Catwoman. Uh, and this one's interesting. So cats' collarbones 
aren't like humans in that they are much smaller and they're kind of tucked back in their shoulders, which lets their shoulders like free roam, which what is what allows them to like pivot their body at such insane angles. If you've ever seen like a cat fall, oh, yeah. the way it pivots down. It has a crazy reaction, but the way that its shoulders and legs are actually structured is what allows it to turn like free from its head and the rest of its spine. They did that once in the movie down. with uh, Pally Berry falling. She like turned her whole body to fall on her legs instead of falling on her face or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So And so that's because they don't, their collarbones aren't like ours. Ah. Their collarbones don't keep their shoulders in place. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, so that's some fascinating feline factoids. I love it. And that brings us to yep, some baby. radical recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. So I didn't do a whole lot the past couple of weeks. But what I did do is we had our friend Pam come over and we watched a Halloween movie that she liked a lot called Ready or Not from 2019. Steve, have you seen this movie? Uh, No, I don't think I have. Ready or Not. Let yeah. me see if I let me look it up and see if it looks familiar. It stars uh, Samara Weaving, who is uh, Hugo Weaving's daughter, I believe, or niece. I can't remember one or the other, but she's directly related to Hugo Weaving of Elrond and Mr. Smith, Agent Smith fame. Um, and she did a fantastic job. Um, it's, well, I do not recognize this at all. It's kind of a, a little sleeper hit thing here because it's really good. And it's the premise is a girl getting married to this very rich uh, guy. They're very much in love. They both seem really nice. And but his family is very wealthy. Um, and he tells her on their wedding night, they go get married, their parents like giant villa manor house and that they have a tradition because they made their fortune off of board games and gaming in general. And they own sports teams now and stuff. But they're all about games that they have this tradition going back generations where on the wedding night of whoever's brings into the family. They have to use this little machine to pick out a card that that picks what game they're going to play that night. And so it could be chess, checkers, game of life. It could be um, whatever or hide and seek. And so she pulls the hide and seek card. And what you learn in the trailer is that basically if you get the hide and seek card, that means that you have to go hide. Um, otherwise, they're going to kill you. The family will have to kill you. And so drama unfolds from there because she finds this out and she pulls the hide and seek card and we get to figure out how she's going to survive. And some some possibly paranormal aspects pop up and stuff like that. But it's also just like it's it's kind of like a get out type of feel type of movie because there are a lot of funny moments. It was surprisingly funny in a lot of parts and really makes you just enjoy hating rich people, which is really fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's, it's actually, it's a really fun watch. It's not super scary. It's not like super gory either. It's, there's some gory moments. So if you're not a fan of gore, don't watch that, but, um, but it's really fun, more fun than I expected. So 2019's ready or not, it was on, I think some streaming channels, but I got it from the storks. Um, and it was very enjoyable. So that's my little, my little recommends. So that brings us over right. some trailer reviews. What you got for us, Steve? All right. This week, I'm bringing Night Swimming. <laughs> so this is not one I'd heard of. Never what, intri- what intrigued me about this one is its release date, which is January 5th. 
January 5th for a horror movie can tell you exactly how bad it is. Uh, unfortunately. Dumping time. This, this was bad enough that it didn't come out for Halloween. It certainly is not an Oscar contender. So between both those things getting dumped at the very first week of January, this movie is is bad or no one believes in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's one of the things. So it seems to be about a girl and her family. They go to stay at might, might be a condo of some sort. Um, or a vacation home, and they've got a pool in the back, and she's splashing around with a boy, and then she goes night swimming. And then, like, the only thing I can give this this idea of this movie is that it that irrational fear when you're in a pool that there's something down there, mm. even though you know 100% that there's 0% chance of that being the case, because you live in Florida and you checked for gators right when you got in. <laughs> of course, like you do. But this, like, takes that, and it's like, no, nah, there's something down there. And so there's a mysterious creature, force, or otherwise under the water. It's trying to get her. And they looks like they bought the new house and they are like renovating it. And he's like, I always wanted a pool. And so they renovate the old pool that's been there and it had like a cover on it and everything. And so she's swimming in it. And I'm just imagining whoever pitched this movie, the studio is like, okay, look, we were looking for new ideas for horror movies, haunted pool. And then some guy in the back going, well, why don't they just not get in the pool? And they're like, shut up. <laughs> just, we're making it anyway. I mean, but if you're going to have a pool. <laughs> you got to get in it. Why would they not? But wait, so one girl dies and people still keep getting in the pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They keep getting in the pool. <laughs> well, yeah, you own a pool. You're not just going to give it up because one girl dies. So the second person dies. They keep getting the pool. Yeah, yeah. They keep getting in the pool. They put bleach in. <laughs> And chlorine, they sterilize it. It's fine. <laughs> so we're in an hour and a half movie about people dying in the same pool. The same family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They just keep getting in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, how is this going to be a whole movie? I don't understand. What? What? I don't get it. And the trailer gives us no hints as how um, it's going to last for a whole hour and a half. No, like you you get like one flash of like a like a scaly arm maybe. But that's kind of it. That's all you get, really, as to what the hell this is or what it's going to be. Uh, so I'm going to give this a. Uh, so like. Raul Julia, he's got to get up, go to the bathroom all the night. He goes up and flips the light on the bathroom. Gary Busey's in the tub and he's taken all of his socks and plugged up the tub and the tub's running. And it's bubbling up over and he's like, look, we're going to go night swimming. But I was like, no, not again, please. <laughs> He's like, I'll just I'll use the downstairs bathroom. It's always again. He's always uh, the I'll just go to the stairs. <laughs> and he uses the downstairs bathroom, and just as he comes up, the uh, the water is starting to spill out in the hallway, and he just closes the bathroom door. <laughs> it always happens. <laughs> I'm going to give It'll this a very uh, in the morning, <laughs> very Tucker and Dale versus Evil kind of a review here, where uh, there's a girl swimming around a pool playing Marco Polo with her boyfriend. The boyfriend gets out without telling his girlfriend just to kind of, you know, play a trick on her. But then she says Marco again, and all she hears is Polo. And she looks up, and it's it's, it's Gary Busey. And she starts to drown out of fear. And he's like, wait, what are you doing? I just wanted to play Marco Polo. <laughs> There's a series of deaths because he keeps surprising people in the pool. And he's not he's just trying to play. But they're so terrified by Gary Busey. They just keep dying. <laughs> fish out of water. <laughs> fish out of water. Fish out of water. Oh, fish dead in the water. Oh, damn it. Not a game. <laughs> uh, oh, man. 
So that brings us to the end of episode 183 of Play on Nerds. Let's join, right, join us next time when, in honor of Godzilla minus one, we're going to talk about Godzilla minus two, uh, the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick in it. The Broderick edition. The Brodericking. The Broderick. The Broderick. <laughs> got Broderick. <laughs> so timely. Well, we're going to Broderick you next time. So timely as we talk about Godzilla and honor his legacy. Until then. Come on back back and be our nerdy audience. We'll come on back and be your nerdy co-host. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout-out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how! And how?